Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Disclaimer time. This is where I tell everyone to lighten up. It's just a podcast. Trading is like that roller coaster at the amusement park. Thrilling, unpredictable, and potentially stomach-churning. What works for one person might leave another clutching their hat in the wind. Our hosts and guests, they're awesome, knowledgeable, full of insights, but we're not financial advisors. So don't rush to make any investment decisions based solely on our banter. Always consult with a professional or do your own research. Plus, let's face it, we like to have fun, laugh, enjoy the trading ride together. It's all in the name of good podcasting fun. So remember, take it easy, don't bet the farm, and keep your seatbelts on at all times. Thank you for listening. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the China Shop, home of the Band of Traders podcast, also known as the Dad Perfect Trading Show. I'm your host and aspiring trader, Kyle, and tonight we have not only Baba Yaga, Mr. Banks of Vanta Trading, but we've also got a very special guest, Max Thomas, CEO of Traders Launch. I've had Max on for the past for an enlightening conversation on prop firms, uh, not to mention the incredible live workshop he was kind enough to host on our. Uh, Discord before we did this combined server merge with uh, Vanta Trading. So I am stoked to have you back, Max. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. It's a little, little bit late here on the East Coast, but I'm uh, ready to keep up with you guys that are scattered across the better parts of the country. I can see through your window. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> nice yeah. and dark over there. Cold, huh? <laughs> right. Uh, just real quick, uh, as far as the show goes, uh, I just want to say that we've got a uh, guest episode coming out next week with Eric Mason. Uh, he's one of our favorite economists, a uh, longtime uh, guest and friend of the show. Uh, check that out on Thursdays. But other than that, uh, rather than doing the usual promotion BS, I think we should just jump right into the conversation today. What do you say, guys? Affirmative. Let's rip it up. Absolutely. All right. Uh, and then anyone listening in live, if uh, you find the chat box in there, feel free to drop any questions in there. We'll try to answer them as we go and try to make sure we stick around long enough to answer all of them, too. All right. Um Baba, Banks, when do you guys want to kick us off, or you want me to go? Yeah, what do we got, guys? I'll let Baba go. No, I don't want to go first. No, I'll go first there. They're still new. <laughs> They're new to this. It, it's a quick draw sort of situation today. All right, Kyle, what, 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 right? Uh, what, what are we talking about today, man? All right. Um, so it's a new prop firm, right? You guys built a business from the ground up. You guys launched, uh, uh, how long ago was it now? It's 
Uh, we've been really we've been working on it for just over a year now because we uh, we're complete sociopaths and like to uh, <laughs> like to make the most complicated tech stack for ourselves imaginable. But uh, <laughs> but it, it's been about about four and a half five months since we've been live now. I was going to say, but God, that doesn't sound right. It seems like it was just yesterday. No, oh, yeah, blink, uh, blink. It's financial market. You blink twice. Right. I was curious if you had like, well, like, what's some of the growing pains that have, you guys have been experiencing with trying to get this business launched? Like, is there any been like, what are the biggest challenges you guys have been experiencing? I think one of the biggest challenges for us coming into it, I mean, as you know, we decide we're equities traders primarily. We trade a decent amount of futures, but primarily equities because we are of the mind that there's more edge in equities. Broader, uh, broader um, symbol, symbol universe. It's much easier to predict what one individual company is going to be doing than myriad uh, than than say a country's currency, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we came in with that logic, and as we basically found out, and looking across all the uh, all the prop space, they're primarily in the FX space or futures space. So the universe of prop traders that were already out there were pretty predicated to using those sort of uh, sort of um, instruments, you can say, right? Mm-hmm. So. Coming in with uh, with equities, it, it provides a kind of a unique challenge to say, "Hey guys, we're a little bit different." Yes, you can only trade within these uh, this time this time frame. It's not a twenty four hour market anymore. So appealing to the basically the normal crowd of prop traders, and also letting equities traders know, "Hey, we have this new product that's available for you online," has been a little bit of growing pains. Um, but that's mm-hmm. been uh, that's been the primary thing for us. I think because we front loaded so much work on the tech side, we actually have had very little tech problems, thankfully. Oh, really? I know we've ran into a couple glitches, but um, I, th- I think you got your team has been really quick to to address those, or at least any of the ones that I've submitted. I think one of the guys uh, asked to, to have just a login on the the website page, so that way you don't have to try to go find the email to get into your account. Yeah, like within like twenty four hours, that was up on the page. I love seeing that from a from a company. Yeah, we're kind of we're kind of uh, the pedantic when it comes to those sort of things. Like we want it, we want it done immediately, <laughs> especially when you have a small you have, when you have a small team. You don't really have the option to think about things twice. Right. If you're always mm-hmm. coming back to, oh, crap, we have to do that. Oh, 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 yeah. And this it's more like just get it off the table and we can be on to the next thing. If people run into some issues, uh, where can they go to, to let you guys know to try to get those resolved? I mean, the easiest way is always through the discord. I mean, we're always active. Yeah. We have mods that will reach out to us and just even if we're off the desk, they'll just call us. So it's the easiest way to kind of run through it. You can obviously reach out to us via email also or through the website. But discord is the fastest these days. Yeah, I love you guys' discord, too. A lot of good stuff uh, going on over there. It's, 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 it's probably more quiet than a lot of other discords, but, uh, we, we kind of, uh, we try to keep everybody focused and uh, on the task at hand, you know? Well, it's, it's not like, uh, it's not an echo chamber. It's not a bunch of guys throwing out these big shots that they've got and shitting on anybody else. Like it's a very, it's very inclusive. It's very sharing. It's very open. Uh, and that's one of the things that I love seeing because there's not enough of those spaces in the in this world. Well, that's one of the unique problems that we have as a prop firm also, right? It's like, it's very mm-hmm. easy for me to want to hop in there and talk my book, right? It's like, if I say, oh, you know what? I think the S&P is going to close positive today. Or I think, I think some, I, th- I think we're going to get pressure across all the Bitcoin names. But then of course, what are going to happen is I'm going to influence everybody. We have a bunch of cra- traders across our deck and I don't want to influence the book to all of a sudden be on the same side of the trade. Next thing you know, I'm dead wrong. And then we take a large hit, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things. It's like as a prop firm, you kind of want an uncorrelated book in some sort of sense. So you, you want to be very careful in how you uh, how you communicate to people. Do you are you able to see all those stats of what your traders are doing? Have you ever looked at that and been like, that doesn't like that's weird? Oh or, yeah, no, we, we we've gone through them extensively, right? Because I'm I'm of the mind <laughs> if we don't go through all the stats, then we don't really know how to manage our risk, right? And mm-hmm. also, it's I mean we're all human, right? We all share a lot of the same intricacies 
Um, and and uh, we, we share a lot of all the same problems, right? So kind of looking through the stats gives us an idea to say, okay, where are the blind spots? We came into this with the idea that we want to augment traders with data, right? Mm-hmm. So that we live in this interesting time where obviously there's a bloom of AI and that's going to be taking over the markets, but we still believe that there is a human element. I mean, if we didn't believe in the human side of things still, why would we be starting a prop firm, right? Um, right. So the kind of logic was, how can we basically look at trader data and then augment them in the future with uh, with some basically sort of data-backed analysis? So we've dug extensively into the stats and found a lot of things so far. I, I can see Baba's eyes kind of going up there. Go ahead, Baba. I know you want to ask some questions here. <laughs> shoot, shoot. I got answers. So when when you say, I just wrote that down, I've, I've been writing stuff down while you were talking and... Hmm. Um, I always have a handy dandy notebook right here. And uh, you said augment traders with data. When you when you think about that idea, what sorts of things come to mind for you? Like how do you see that coming to fruition already? And then how could you see that evolving in the future or changing? So one way that we look at it is that we can change the risk dynamically, right? Obviously, we can change it on our side, but it's better to communicate it to the traders. So when we have traders in the funded stage, we kind of have an idea of where they are, right? Like one interesting stat that popped out to us as we were digging through all the data is that after traders have had four wins in a row, they're the biggest risk to themselves possible, right? Really? You've had four or five wins in a row. Effectively, your odds in the next trade are 50-50, right? It's a coin flip, but obviously 50-50, you can be incredibly profitable. What happens to majority of traders though, is that after you had four or five wins in a row, your next trade, it's basically three to one R against you. Three to yeah, three to one, right? Wow. Yeah, so effectively, wow. and you can break it down simply, right? You're at four trades in a row, five trades in a row. We've all been through it. Oh, I'm a genius. I got this figured out. I'll retire next week. Oh, it's so easy to make money, right? <laughs> We've all been there, you know, yes. right? It's like it's this constant, it's the uh, it's the hype treadmill, right? And mm-hmm. what happens, though, is that you're most likely to add to a, posi- a losing position when you're at four or five trades in a row. You're most likely to widen your risk. You're most likely to be trading peak size, right? Because you have a pad. Oh, we're playing with house money. It's like, you, you know, all those little intrusive thoughts that pop in, right? Um, so what happens yep. is that traders are incredibly, incredible dangers to themselves at that point. So our logic is, if we can find a myriad stack of things like this, then effectively, we can reach out to our traders and say, hey, dial it back. Or basically say, hey, we suggest cutting your risk or moving your stop to here. Or just on our side, dynamically adjusting their risk and saying, hey, we don't want you to give three days of profit back. Right. We ultimately back our traders. So it isn't beneficial for anybody, especially because, as you know, it's like one large loss washes out your confidence and your ability to see the market for multiple days in a row. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, you don't you don't know when your edge is going to show up. So if you're not in the capable in the capable mind to be able to execute when it matters or have the ability to press the size that matters, then it's uh, you're you can effectively be stuck in a, in a kind of a sideways pattern where you're constantly pressing the gas at the wrong side of the curve and constantly pulling off risk at the wrong time also. So we think that there's okay. a way, we think that there's a way to uh, do this dynamically that can be beneficial. I got to make a note of that too. I want to go look through my stats and see if I see something similar. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Right, listen, if you have enough data, it's it's listen, we're all human. We all do it. I mean, the, just I all I had to do was say after four or five wins in a row and all of us are like, "Oh yeah, we have fucking experience." <laughs> right it's in my data it's in it's in thousands of other people's data so the odds are i 
I always think of it as uh, it's what Flurry said. It calls upstuck. It's when you you hit those four wins in a row. You get married to the PNL. You put another trade on, maybe even do half size, but then you it loses, and now you're not at that nice number that you liked before. Now you want to get back to that nice number so you can close out your day and be done. Oh yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Then you're just chasing that for the rest of the day. Yeah. How often have you been like, oh, I'm a couple dollars shy of a, shy of a thousand or five thousand bucks? I'm gonna press it and give the whole day back. All right, let me get the 100 points on this runner so I get the screenshot. And then, nope, it runs right back to zero. Yeah, I mean, the, the market the market is 100% us playing against ourselves, right? I mean, even down, yeah. if you take that same stat and you say, okay, if we look at just what, how do traders perform after one win and how do they perform after one loss? And interestingly enough, I mean, after one win, your odds of, your basically your initial odds over large sample size are irrelevant. But after one win, your odds of winning an X trade is actually a little bit higher. Right. So that basically, so taking one win actually allows you to, I'll say, see the market a little bit better or to be confident to be allowed to trade to work in your favor, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. But inversely, after one loss, the odds are skewed a little bit against you. Interesting. Right. So now you're, if you've taken one loss, now you basically, in your mind, you're already, oh, this next one has to be a profit. You're already playing the, what I like to call the get back game. Right. So yeah. oh, the next yeah. one has to be a winner. So you're looking for a sure thing, which means you're probably looking for a comfortable trade. And as we know, the more comfortable a trade feels, the more likely it is to not play in your favor. <laughs> I feel like you're living in my head. <laughs> hey, listen, I, 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 I live in my own head and then I look at this data right. and I'm like, oh God, this reaffirms all my demons. So <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a good trader or a shit trader, right? We all share the same problems, right? It really doesn't matter, you know? Booch says it's simple. Just don't ever lose. <laughs> okay, I didn't think of that one. As long as you never <laughs> trade, you can never lose. It's uh, uh that's a good point. That's like guru. Those gurus, they got something figured out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, more data questions. Pitch them my way. Yes. What you got? Thanks, Baba. Yeah, go ahead, Baba. No, you, no, you go, uh, Baba. So from from your end, that's information you're sharing with traders in real time. Like you would share that to a funded trader if you noticed. He's had a great week, and then it's Thursday, and he's taking a string of losses. Would you guys literally reach out, like as a almost as a counterparty and a partner, and be like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Yep. So, so once traders reach the funded stage, I mean, we we're pretty hands off. If they're going through the challenges, we let them trade on their own because we don't want to influence them at that point. We want to we want clean data for how they behave, right? And of course, it's a snapshot in time. I mean, the, the best trader can have a terrible week and the, and the worst trader can have a great week, right? It's just the, the, the market dynamics there, right? But once the trader's at the funded stage, then we pay pretty close attention to them. And if they're having a drawdown over a couple of days, we reach out. We're pretty communicative. I mean, I anybody who reaches the funded stage, I hop on a call with them, do interviews and chat with them, try to get them, get just a general idea of outline of what strategy that they're running. I don't want to know all the details. It's not a, trying to steal people's edge. <laughs> But it's basically, it, it, how, can we, how can we augment you, right? It's like, if there's some way that we can basically benefit them, even if that's dynamically controlling the risk, reaching out to them saying, hey, listen, you've had, you've had, a lar you had two large losses in a row, and based on your data, you go on tilt and try to basically trade more size and that happens, so we're going to cut you down. Um, we suggest cutting you down. We don't force anything, right? But we suggest cutting you down um, for the next couple of days. And we continually have those conversations because it's, it's important, right? And what we've noticed is that it helps. So you're, you almost view your traders as a partner with your firm instead of uh, maybe an endless source of uh, evaluation fees. Is that what you're kind of saying without saying it? 
Yeah, of course. Right. I mean, we, we're not in the, we, we lose money on the evaluation side of things. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the first to say it. The goal is to find basically good traders and then find a way to augment them. So Max, what happens, what happens then when you get the, the, the type of person who likes to just buy an account and then YOLO it all in like one trade? Like, how does that, how do you analyze that data? Or how do you work with that person then once they, if they manage to hit that trade? I mean, so if they, in the event that they reach the funded stage, we still have an interview with them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're, you're going to have some small percentage of people that do that. You can't stop it, right? And those we kind yep. of treat as, it's a small amount of data and I can't, I can't make good judgment off of five trades, right? Mm-hmm. I can look back and say, hey, listen, these are great trade ideas, but in the broader scheme of things, it's really hard to do anything. So in those situations, it's kind of hands off. We have to be patient and let it see how it plays forward. Are you still backing that person too, or do you need to, yeah, we to have, have something? Yeah, we have to. I mean, le- legally, we have to. This is this isn't the wild west of FX and futures <laughs> where you can just, uh, we can just uh, you know just do crazy illegal shit. You know, it's like SEC don't play around. I'm not trying to. I noticed on your website it says you're based in the U.S. I'm glad you decided to go that route and not uh, succumb to what everyone else told you and go for the Bahamas or somewhere with no extradition laws. Listen, it would be way. <laughs> I wish, I wish I did all that illegal shit. It'd be warm. It probably wouldn't be nighttime right now, you know. But, but lo and behold, you know, try to do it above board, man. Right, right. Are there any other challenges or struggles uh, with with trying to rent a prop firm? I mean, it's a. Uh... I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it takes a lot more focus, right? I mean, I traded full-time for coming up on eight years, right? And it's really hard. I mean, I still trade full-time and it's very, very hard throughout the day basically trading full-time and then managing people, right? When you have a billion questions mm-hmm. coming in throughout the day, all sorts of arbitrary things. It's like sometimes you have a person like, oh, I need a, can you reset my password? It's like, it's 9.32. Like, and you just blew me up, but it's like, all right, well, listen, I'll put a stop in and I'll, I'll handle that password situation, right? Oh, God. So it's like, it, yeah. it's things like that every single day. And uh, I, th- I think that's incredibly hard to basically manage it because uh, I don't, I don't want to put people in the back burner also, you know? Right. Yeah. You also don't want to discourage people now from reaching out if they got questions. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, listen, mm-hmm. we're in, a, in, a, in a high speed world and it's only going to get faster and faster and faster. And, you know, people's time, time, time span and uh, people's attention span is like, nothing these days right so if, if you don't uh, don't feel to them in a couple seconds like you're, they're, you're already gone you know yeah uh, is it too late to sign up for the the next competition nope you got until uh, you guys have one going for next week yeah we got until sunday got until oh, sunday sweet. okay good yep. so people should be able to hear that i'll make sure i link that in the episode description uh have you been surprised by some of the results i think the last one like the top place uh, finisher was over what was he like 13 percent return on the week yeah which is crushing it right yeah, <laughs> like crushing it, right? And and the and the crazy part is that he wasn't even he was only using. I mean, we give you five x five x leverage on the indexes, right? And then and then one to one on individual equities. He wasn't even trading indexes, right? He was just trading individual equities at hundred k clip, right? Then he was primarily uh, just trading. A tra- I mean, there was a lot of volatility across the blockchain names like Riot, Mara, um, and he mm-hmm. was just trading those. Damn, I think I nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I also saw your. Pumping up the prizes too. So the the ones I think you got a fifty k on the line for this week. Yep, better believe it. It's um, listen. It's, uh, so I mean, here here's some fascinating things about the challenges. I mean, the the, the weekly competitions we've been doing is that mm-hmm. people in the competitions trade better than on actual valuation accounts. Yep, I've traded better on the competition, and yep. I'm not sure. I think it's because we had Christmas sweaters to. to I don't want to talk about it. To worry we're, about. We're going to touch on that. I have not forgotten. Right, it's the only note I have going into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sent my photo to the guys. I don't know if I, I guess I need to send it to you. 
That's, I mean, I've got banks. I'm still waiting on Purdue's. You, you see that big white space on the wall? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not for that's not for nothing. Yeah, I'll be honest, Max. <laughs> I uh, I treated it uh, with some intention the first day or the second day. And then I think the last day I was like, well, I'm sure that I'm behind. So let's just go all in and look back at the end of the day. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think I, I thought these guys were smoking me. So, hey, you, you got to push it sometimes, you know, it, it's it's tough. What we found <laughs> is that uh, people are more. It, I mean, we've tried a couple different things. We initially started out doing two week competitions. We moved it to one week because one week allows more prizes, allows it's but just better as an engagement from a business side of things. It's better. It's better for mm-hmm. traders, right? Um, but what we found is over a two week period is you actually get more consistency from people, right? Sure. It's that sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. The sense of urgency is really is really tough. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and I mean, that's part of the reason you look at all the other prop firms. It's a reason why they structure it on a monthly payment sort of thing, right? I mean, everybody I've talked to who does prop challenges. Like oh shit, I got to pay another three four hundred bucks in a couple of days. Let me just see if I can pass this pass this evaluation really quick. Bam, fail. I mean, it's it's the sense of yep. urgency is built into their business plan to basically to keep the uh, to, to keep the treadmill of uh, evaluation fees going through. <laughs> Sounds like uh, you've got a little bit of disdain for the industry. Are there any other uh, thoughts that you have or things that people should watch out for when they're when they're looking for one to to sign up with? I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, too much leverage is a big one, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've found that part of the reason, um, I mean, part of the reason that people fail is just too much leverage, right? I mean, we tested, we, we turned those knobs initially when we were trying to figure things out. And we basically said that we realized that if you give people 10 to 1, it's like, they're just going to keep add, 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 adding, and boom, done, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's everything is a function. It's when you have that much, uh, I mean, normally it's like, Risk is a function of volatility and size, right? If you give them infinite size, then volatility isn't even needed anymore, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can get a couple ticks on the S and P and get blown out if you're trading twenty contracts. It's like, but that's the reason that all these all these places give you infinite leverage, right? And what you find for a lot of them also is they give you a massive amount of leverage in the evaluation and then cut it back massively once you actually get to the funded stage. So, oh yeah, twenty contracts, go for it. Oh, funded stage, two contracts, right? It's like. That's basically a, a dead setup to screw you over, you know. Um, I haven't even made it that far yet, but I see Banks over there. Yeah, Banks and Baba nodding their heads. Oh, it's yeah, it's pain. I mean, one fascinating thing that we uh, we we pulled a little bit of data from the uh, from the competitions. Also, we found mm-hmm. the worst thing, the single worst thing that you can do as a trader is all right. Guess what do you think it is? Add to losers. Move your yeah. Move your stop. Add to losers. No, add to losers. Add to losers. Mm-hmm. We we the uh, one of our competitions. I, I haven't pulled the data in aggregate, but it basically showed that if uh, if you add to a loser, your your chance of winning is like sixteen percent. Really? Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. Well, right. It's like yeah, that may have been me on Friday. You did the same uh, thing I did on that Friday, so. right? Just add, add, add. Wait, wait, <laughs> yes. Wait, the, fr- the, 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 the 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 Christmas sweater competition or this this Friday? No, Christmas. Uh, the Christmas sweater competition. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Actually, we should. I did. I did not want to lose, and uh, I went full force into that, and yeah, it it took me out, and then bottom ticked me, and then ripped my take profit. Yeah, me, me as well. Yeah. We must have been just scaling in at, at the same pace. <laughs> Literally, I my bottom tick of the day was my max draw on that, and then we recovered. You know, whatever. But I was 
like I was just going for it at that point. I just didn't want to have to wear a Christmas sweater, dude. <laughs> what else are you gonna do, man? Gonna... Listen, that, that that that's fear. That's fear. Listen, there's 52 weeks a year, so we need 52 sweaters. Oh wow, sweaters. yeah. I got a spot on my wall where I'm gonna hang mine up if I don't have to wear it this week. That's great. Yeah, I, I need some I need some fear motivation in my office also. Did what you? We were talking before uh, the recording started. You you mentioned having a guitar in your office as being your way of keeping yourself from from uh, doing anything silly, as you like to say. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's my. How favorite. long has that been your thing? Oh, literally since I started training. Did you make that connection that like, hey, this will keep me from being stupid, like early on, or was that just like a realization later? It's what my, my data showed. I mean, when I was starting out, I was trading a lot of small caps and it's just, there was no edge for my current strategies. I was trading between like 12, 12, 1230 and 2.30, like nothing, right? But nonetheless, it's like you couldn't occasionally, you'd stab a trade and it would work out. Or you'd, you'd run a breakout or short or short or not, short or failed breakout or I mean, at anything, right? And it would basically get you to keep on staying in it. But what I realized is that over time, it was like I was slight negative to break even for trading in the middle of the day. So I was like, why am I doing this? Right. I'm, I'm just burning mental capital. I'm burning commissions and I might as well focus on something else. So it's like guitar was kind of my, uh, it was the thing that kept me hundred percent focused. I could still sit back, look at the screens and, but my hands were off the keyboard, my hands were off the mouse. And uh, yeah, it's, I've stayed consistent with that. It saves me, uh, it saves me a, a lot, a lot, a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And a lot I feel like I could use one of those <laughs> extra I try to keep the chessboard up, uh, uh to, keep up with my daily games sometimes you know, that sometimes helps me keep some focus away from from doing anything stupid if i feel myself getting on tilt i can just flip over to that and look at a chessboard yeah you need something honestly right because the the market is uh the market always i mean our brains are prediction engines right so we're always trying to basically forecast outcomes so even when you're sitting there not trading you're constantly making little judgments. Oh, I think that's going to top there. No, I think that's probably going to buy. Oh, I think this next candle is going to be red or da da da. We can't stop ourselves from doing that, right? In the same way that our brains see faces everywhere, right? It's like we're always looking mm-hmm. for that. For that, okay, what's our what's our future path going to be, right? And because of that, we're always kind of living a little bit of FOMO, even though we're basically, oh, that's not my strategy, right? But nonetheless, mm-hmm. we go, oh yeah, I could I could still make money if I had no strategy if I just scalped this time of day. But that's just lying to ourselves, right? Um, it's we do like that a lot a, too. Yeah, we all do. You know, it's uh, it's like a thing that I think we, we might have touched on before. It's like when you're away from the desk for the day, right? You cut, you come back, and you look at a chart. It's almost everybody experiences. Oh, I would have done this, and then I would have done this, and oh, oh, it's oh, I would have shorted here. It's hindsight, obviously, incredibly easy, right? But how many people walk away from the desk for the day, come back and go, oh, I would have added to a loser here. Oh, I would have gotten stopped out at the high here. I would have done that. Like almost nobody does that, right? I've, I've done it before. Not not often enough, but I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that would have taken me out. Of course. Oh, yeah. No, some trading maturity eventually over time. But it takes a long time for people to be able to do that. Be real yeah. with yourself. It's like nobody gets bottom ticked in hindsight, right? Right. My stop's just above that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those, uh, it's one, it's one of those odd things, right? We can't help ourselves. All right, Banks, what do you got for us, buddy? Yeah. So, uh, the stat wise, uh, with the stuff that we're working on, I'm kind of curious, which I know that you guys don't do the Globex trading, but is, is there specific times in the day that you see traders being more profitable than, than not? Um, middle of the day isn't great for people. Um, 
unless you already have a position on from the morning, the middle of the day is not great from what from what I've seen. I mean, there's always those exceptions, right? There's a couple of traders that will crush it in the middle of the day, right? Um, meaner version, I think, and so on in the line. But above and beyond, middle of the day is not is not great. Um, last hour of the day, uh, I mean, some it, last hour of the day is better than the morning, oftentimes. Really, really. Yeah, as, as funny as that sounds, but but that's for people who show up late. That's interesting. If they traded a bunch in the morning um, and they already have a, and they already have a pad, then they probably give it back. If they haven't traded at all and they only come in for the last hour, they normally do decently. Huh. It's interesting. There's, there's some odd, it's some odd things like that, right? Right. But that's got me wondering now if I should just skip the mornings and just come in for the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like to sleep in. I mean, uh, maybe I'd be fresher. Hey, it's worth a shot, right? All right. Well, so it depends on... Depends what side you're trading on, right? It depends on if you're swing trading. Depends on if you're basically just day trading. If you're scalping, it's like mm-hmm. I, I had a I had a funny turning point in my trading career where early on I basically would always identify as a certain type of trader, right? It's like oh I'm a I'm a I'm a short side um, I I'm a short side small cap trader, right? And then move over to futures. Oh I'm a mean reversion trader. Or, oh I'm a trend trader. Or I'm a I'm a someone down the line. I'm I'm a Fibonacci trader, whatever the hell it is, right? And and what happens is traders get this kind of like this one track mind of what type of trader they are, and the reality is is that the market dictates what sort of trader you need to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like if VIX is at if VIX is at five, it's like you can't be a scalper, right? And unless, unless you're waiting for individual equities to have a ton of volatility, yes, you can still be a scalper. But if you're just trading indexes for this example, it's like market dynamics dictate what sort of trader you need to be. You can't say I'm this, put yourself in one box and impose your will on the market, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you can't, you don't want to be a trend trader when we're having hundred point swings, right? Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. And so it's kind of, I think traders oftentimes put themselves in a box and I think that's dangerous. Uh, Banks, you st- I'm, I'm guessing you started asking that question because you wanted to ask him a little bit about quarterly theory. Uh, I want to hear, I want to hear this conversation. Yeah, so um, which which I don't know if you know anything about quarterly theory, but in essence, we're kind of looking at breaking down the market into segments. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're looking at um, you know the futures market, um, we're kind of breaking the market down into six hour sessions, okay. and then we kind of break that down into you know smaller sessions. So yeah, so uh, you know in essence, it's that six hour like session that we're looking at into the into like that accumulation phase of the market. Um, you know, the distribution, the manipulation is kind of what we're, you know, classifying it. And and I think those are the things that is 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 finding us interesting is is just the time based aspect of trading. And I don't think a lot of people use that mentality all that much. I think time matters ultimately, right? I mean, I have some strategies that execute at the same exact time every single time they basically go long or short. And I find if I move it thirty minutes in the to the future, if I move it thirty minutes back, it'll break it, right? Like I, I've, I've got one that'll get, I don't want to say the exact time of day because then people are going to start hunting my edge, you know, um, <laughs> of course, but, but I mean, it's an, ed, it's an edge. I'll, I'll say this is an edge that's worked for the last 30 years. It gets long at a specific time of day and it swings for like the next 12 hours. It trades I don't know, three times a month on, on average, but uh, it's, if you move the time, it, it breaks it. Right. I've got a handful of strategies like that. It's interesting. So time, time matters is the answer. Thanks. Why don't you throw out some times and see if his eyes light up? <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll do that after. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Get that reaction after. <laughs> there you go. Um, 
But I mean, like it, 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 coming down to segmenting, I mean, I'll use, um, I mean, today was quad witching, right? But I'll, I'll use op, OPEX, OPEX week, right? Or options expiration week as an example, like third week of the month. It's like, there's a ton of edge around certain days. Like if you, mm-hmm. if, if uh, on yeah. uh, like I, the one I always go back to, it's like OPEX Tuesday, right? If you get a red Monday on uh, on options expiration week, then your odds of getting a green Tuesday, it's like 66, 68%, right? And that's wow. gone on forever, right? I mean, as far as, as, I mean, not forever, right? But, but well, you, you the shared the papers years like of data, this. it's solid, right? Yeah. Yeah. You shared a few of those types of strategies with us that they're, they're very simple, but very nuanced too. It was very, it was kind of eye-opening to see that. I was actually kind of curious, like what's the most complex strategy you do actually employ that is profitable? Um, I mean, I have a bunch of odd normalization strategy on obscure bar types. Um, that, mm-hmm. so it's like, I, I try to, I mean, I won't go over four rules, right? I mean, fifth rule, if it's like a filtering sort of thing and the only, in, in, like a regime sort of thing that's external, but over four rules, everything starts to fall apart. Um, so too mm-hmm. much complexity, I, I think is bad. Um, I mean, I think it's, uh, I mean, the second you start adding too many rules, you're just curve fitting. Yeah, ultimately, right. And I think what we see is we have a ton of people that are trying to always work this. Oh, this is this fanciful new strategy with incredibly complex math. And they kind of you get this feedback loop of feeling like you're smart because you made something super difficult. But the uh, the reality is that there's still a decent amount of things out there that are pretty simple that work. Right. And, and you can build decent strategies around there to extract some alpha out of um, how long will that exist? I don't know, but it works so far. Yeah, the conversation with JM was kind of eye-opening. He used to work for one of the quants, um, helping with uh, some of the algorithmic trading uh, with the high-frequency traders. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that most of the strategies could be written like on the back of a, a cocktail napkin. Like that's how simple they were. Yeah, there's yeah, there's this thought that like complexity equals better for some reason, and I don't think that yeah, like you said, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, maybe in some, I mean, I, I could be myopic. I'm sure in some situations that is true. Um, but from my perspective, everything is filtering, right? It's like you can create fairly simple strategies um, that will look like total shit if you apply them to the entire market. But if you're able to segment to certain volatility regimes or even certain times a day, they'll outperform. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue wants to know uh, if you, did you have to learn to code to get those statistics? Uh, and if so, like, where did you learn that? Uh, to pull those uh I mean, the, the data for like the, the trades that you had mentioned, the, the, the Monday on OPEX and then the Tuesday uh, with relations to Monday. I, I did all that in TradeStation. So, I mean, using easy language, I mean, you can, these days you have ChatGPT and say, hey, write me a script to be able to test what, what happens if every Monday closes up or closes down, right? You can do it with, if you have continuous futures data, you can do it with Python pretty easy also. Yeah, uh, you actually showed us how to do that in that live stream I mentioned at the beginning. That is true. Kicked off quite a uh, rabbit hole that a lot of us have fallen into. Baba's just recently started diving into that as well. Is, 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 how many people are on the this close to the edge of madness yet? <laughs> I, I got all the way to madness, and then I just called, uh, texted Robert, and, and said, "Can you fix all this?" <laughs> because I found myself like j- I was just arguing with Chat GTP. Uh, so much um and i was like I, i'm just wait i'm I, there has to be a more efficient way to gather this information and i don't know what it is but i also know that i'm not spending hour any more hours because i was logged up pretty high on the on the testing of uh like so we're we're, we're looking at 
broad day types um, and then using them to kind of forecast general expectations. So like you mentioned, a Monday's red, a red close on Monday on OPEX week, uh, Tuesday's rebound 68% of the time or close green or whatever that was. Um, maybe minus the calendar effect of OPEX, but looking at, okay, Monday's, um, Mondays that trade above Friday's high versus Mondays that close above Friday's high. And then what, then what, what patternistic, if there is one, can we navigate out for the, the way the week typically unfolds? So if Monday closes a green compared to Friday, what does that set up for the week? Looking at the following three days, is there statistical probability of which day makes the high, which day closes high, da 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 And then kind of, you know, there's really like three. Like I love the fact you said any more than four rules and something is fit. I think that that was that's really encouraging to me because we're trying to be very 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 simple with you know okay Monday's range was inside of Friday's which means we anticipate Tuesday to look this way and then there's a key point on Tuesday um, when we get to Wednesday the key point on Tuesday will be indicative for Wednesday's uh, you know activity and close um, and continue on for the rest of the week but I didn't but that was all kind of like. Um, the eyeball test. So we're trying to pull big pieces of data, you know, 10 years, 15 years, five years, and see if there's any variance there and see what was most like likely to unfold in the, you know, over the sample size to kind of, to Banks's point about the quarters of a day, we're also looking at the week and splitting the week up and saying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are most reasonable. And then Fridays is like the wild west. Yeah. And so just using Monday as the as the spring point for uh, some modeling for the rest of the week. But, I, you know, it's one thing to look back at a daily chart over, you know, a couple of months by eye and, you know, apply the rules and be like, oh, there's some, you know, there's some edge in this. And, and then for it to actually have a statistical probability tied to it that over a big data set, you can say due to the skewness of the market and blah, blah, blah. This is what we often see. Um, so yeah. I was able to run some cool stuff with chat GTP, to be honest, like, um, when you get something into like some probabilities, you can, you know, then it's pretty simple if you just have numbers to ask chat GTP to write something for you. But when you're trying to pull all those numbers, um, and look at historical data, I was losing my mind, bro. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen. And I'm pleased to announce that she's back. Fresh off a rebrand and ready to help is Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Oh, yeah. It becomes an unruly child sometimes. God, it was terrible. 
Oh, and then when it it kicks you, it cuts you off because it thinks you're asking too many questions. Every every I would say sixty percent of the times of me dealing with Chat GTP, it would eventually say you're asking. Um, what was the language? It was like you're asking. Um, Said something about it being like suspicious, suspicious questions. Activity? You're asking suspicious right. questions <laughs> that lead uh, or say, that uh, in, uh, imply suspicious activity, and this session is ended. Right. And I'm asking it like when Tuesday closes or when Monday closes higher than Friday, what day of the week probably, you know, what percentage of the following days make the high for the week over the last 10 years? And it's like, nope, can't answer that. It's, yeah. like, it's like, hey, listen, listen, you're about to create another LTCM situation. I don't know. I don't know what sort, I don't know what sort of curve fitting you're doing. I don't know what sort of financial backing this is not going to happen. Yeah. And, and then it also, it also kept giving me the warning, like um, this data is for informational purposes that you should find. Like it was like basically saying, like, don't don't count on anything I'm telling you. I was like, what is the right. point of this? <laughs> come, come on, Chat GPT. Everything we do is making a bet on the future. We can't be that deterministic. Yeah. Oh, no, right. But 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 it was but it your um so I was at my son's or nephew's soccer game with my with one earbud in or one air uh earpod in listening to the conversation that you and Kyle had and I was like um man I had done some back testing on specific strategies um, and like spent some time in that world, but had a, had a bout with it where I got really bogged down into like, just like, it was just too much, too focused on that. Um, And then listening to that, like you're just plain approach to the data, like you, like simple, reasonable approach to collecting back tested data just on day types was really kind of a, that was like a um, – I could pin that moment as when I was like, you know, I need to figure out – I need to kind of – I need to swim in those waters a little bit more. So uh, that was an awesome conversation you all had. I appreciate you sharing what you did in that and um, in the in the meetup thing in the room. It was it was super helpful for me. Yeah, of course, man. Happy to share. It's uh... – we overcomplicate it for ourselves, right? Humans are recency, recency bias machines, right? Like one thing that I've found from dig playing with data a lot is that the market is always training its participants, right? So based on the past, and we, and we see this with the data because obviously we have all of our user data, right? We see that the market is training people based on the last couple of days. So if the market is down two days in a row, people are already trained to be bearish. They're trained to short pops. If we're up two days in a row, they're trained to buy pullbacks, right? But the market is ever changing, right? If we have a large volatility day and then the next day is consolidating, everybody is basically trying to position in some sort of way where they anticipate more volatility. And the second that it's strictured so much and volatility expands, people are so used to this because they're trained by the strictured area and they their mind can't comprehend that the market could go up 50 points, even though it happened two weeks ago, right? Just because we were in a 10 point range the past two days, right? So we are, we're all, we're a, we're a product of our environment. We, we adapt incredibly quickly and that's bad for us, right? Um, in the context of trading, something that you find when you're backtesting for a long time and you're basically backtesting, uh, or I mean, even if you're, if you're data mining for where to put your stops and your targets, what you'll find is you'll find a lot of situations where it's like, oh, here's a 60% chance that we're going to have a red day, 60, 70% chance we're going to have a green day, et cetera. But you'll find throughout the entire thing, even if uh, basically factoring in uh, ATR volatility for the stops, you'll find that where the stops and the targets are are kind of preposterously wide quite often. And that's just due to the fact that the the market needs room to breathe, right? 
we as humans are always trying to basically impose favorable risk reward scenarios onto our trade, right? It's like quite often you'll see like, oh yeah, tomorrow has a, a even a 55 or 60% chance of closing green. So in our mind, we go, okay, here's the open. If I just buy the open and then I'll just sell the close because that's the odds and I'll do that every time. But of course the market goes down here, it wiggles around. You might, it might drop 30 points off and then close 10 points green, right? Mm-hmm. Back test. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a win, but nonetheless, it's like from a favorable risk reward scenario, it's not not exactly ideal, right? Yeah. No, we kind of need these ancillary strategies on top of each other to be able to say, like, okay, here's a favorable risk reward strategy for ourselves, and here's the overall probability of the wind going in our direction, right? It's like the way that I treat a lot of it and basically looking for okay, probability of tomorrow being green or probability of the next six hours being green is just I just want to know that I'm not pissing into the wind. Right. It's like I'm going to take tons of losses. I, I'll take tens of thousands of losses going on throughout the rest of my trading career. But as long as I'm most of the time on the right side of the wind, that means that I'll eventually have positive skewness. Right. So it's not necessarily about using that data as a buy the open, sell the close type strategy. It's more of something that you have in the, your mind as that day is unfolding to try to make sure that you're positioned on the right side of what the stats show you. Yeah, correct. Um, and I mean, granted, don't get me wrong, if uh, buy the open and sell the close, totally viable, but you can't be doing it with, it's 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 size route. Not with 5X leverage. Not with yeah, 5X yeah, leverage. And... Exactly. <laughs> and you can't have it if that, ultimately, if that trade closes down 50 points or something, then it's going to drag your account down 10%, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, the worst case scenario, if you're doing this sort of trade, it should be a 1% loss. In your account, but nobody wants to do that, right? Nobody wants to trade one micro by the open and wait for the close, right? Right, right. Like we all, you know, we we see crazy PLs that exist out there, so we all want to force it. But like, there's, I mean, this is a game that you get into to ideally. I mean, nobody's planning. Nobody here is planning on retiring next week and dying three weeks from now, right? Wait, so, what? I said no, no. I said no. Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean. But people trade that way, right? People mm-hmm. trade that way fucking constantly. And then that's ridiculous, right? If you're trading, you should be planning to do it the rest of your life, right? Yeah. As, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think, Twitter, I think Twitter and even like rooms and stuff like that play to that uh, large P&L in one day thing. But you really mm. – you see that catch up to a lot of people. Um, and yeah. um, some of them admit it and some of them don't. But um, – I think, you know, in the Twitter world, um, you, you see that the chasing the like ten ten thousand dollars in a day is a that's a lot. Um, so if that's your like goal every day, I think that's um, that is kind of outsized unless your account size is massive and you're in losing trades, trading the type of size you would need to trade to capture 10,000 in a day on average um, is inconsequential to you. Um, so I, I, I'd really, um, I mean, one of the one of the first awesome months I had trading, I was trading five micros. That was it, the whole month, five micros. That's all you need. Do a lot of damage with five, five micros. micros and uh, my goal was... Um, I know, don't tell Rich, but I had a, a goal <laughs> of 250 points on five micros. Um, some days I hit it, some days I fell a little bit short, some days I was red, but make five figures at the end of the month, 
and it was like, holy cow, like that's a that's a that's a believable full time job type of income with a risk skew that's like you don't even get excited about the wins or the losses. It's just kind of like meh, <laughs> you know. Well, as it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, like, that's where you want to be. Yeah, we, the, the, you you get equivalent highs and lows regardless, right? It's like if you if you have a five thousand dollar day and you're fucking beating your chest, oh my god, this is so amazing. Then expect at some point it's like because you allowed yourself that crazy high, that same in, that inversion narrative is coming. Right. I don't care if it's next week, next yeah. month, next year, but you're going to get those same lows. Oh my God. Why am I doing this? Oh, I feel like shit. I want to die. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right. Like it's not wasted all my time. I should have fucking been a carpenter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Listen, I've thought that. Not even- really? That's hilarious. That's such a good line. <laughs> but it's true. Like right. You, now, you have right? a fucking crazy. Lo- Listen, I've, I've had, I've had some, big fucking days and i've had some big negative days right and it's afterwards you're just like oh great it's like yeah woo fucking lost the person's yearly salary that i'm buying coffee from today it's like they made more than me <laughs> woo, that's wonderful funny. this is fun um right so it's like whatever it's those so coming back to the original point is that glorifying those high and low days is irrelevant honestly right i mean if you look back let's let like let's just play a data game again right Got 252 trading days, roughly. It's like how many of those days using the S and P again were or ES were like above, I don't know, above 100 point swings, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if assuming that you have a mechanical strategy where that's adjusted for volatility, it's like you're going to have some bigger days as a function of the data, right? But if you're ultimately and you don't, we don't have a way to forecast volatility. You can forecast okay probability of tomorrow closing green, but you cannot forecast tomorrow is going to be a 100 point day. Right. That's I don't, I don't know of anybody who's perfected that yet. If they do, let me know, because I want to talk to them. Fucking there, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of. Yeah. But uh, so, I mean, so you're going to have big days and, 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 and big negative days as a function of the data. Right. Assuming that you're employing some mechanical strategy. But if you're just saying, hey, listen, I traded one contract today and tomorrow I'm going to trade 10 because I like this setup more. I like today more. I'm more confident today. You're going to have a huge variance in your outcomes. And you're also going to have huge variance in your emotional, uh, emotional, you know, emotional journey, let's call it. Yeah, that that gas tank, right, of uh, like the ability to not have decision fatigue or loss fatigue or or that elating, you know, elation from a win. All of those are they take a toll, you know, intraday and day over day. Um, You about are you about to mention uh, Butch's question, Kyle? Yeah, go ahead. You can. You well, can I was just him. gonna. Someone that's in our room said, um, "How many times, or how often, is it that you see traders who have a massive green day follow that up by a massive red day? Like, is that a pattern that you see often?" Um, depends on how they got there. Is the answer? Um, if they took three trades that were each basically one trade was good, next one was good, next one was good, then the odds are that they give it all back the next day. Is, is not as high if they made one gigantic trade and then come into the next day. Interesting. Yeah, he was saying that he's found um, that he gets real aggressive in the past after a big green day. And so he dials back the risk that he's willing to put on the table, probably with sizing and trade number of trades, because that's like yeah. the biggest thing that kept him from continuing up and to the right with the P&L curve. Yeah, no, listen, I've, I've heard that same thing from a handful of traders and I've experienced that also. 
Yeah, so I, I can't disagree with that in the slightest. And, and coming back to the traders are trained by the past two days, I mean, we're recency bias engines, right? If you had a gigantic day yesterday, I'd say arbitrary numbers. If you made 10 grand yesterday and then you made 200 bucks today, it's like that 200 bucks feels like fucking nothing, right? Yeah. Right? It feels like nothing, yeah. but it's still 200 bucks, right? It's like, it's, but because of that day, oh no, we're emotionally blown out now at this point, right? It's like we, and we're always seeking, seeking those equivalent highs even though it's completely irrelevant. So basically, if you have a big day, sizing down, have, stringing together a couple smaller, small uh, small days, whether green or red, is much better to basically get yourself back to some sort of collective baseline to build yourself a new foundation to grow from. So I would agree with that logic. Yeah, I like I that. I think my, uh, which you guys have seen, but like my sizing varies based on the day of the week as well. Looking at stats mm. from, you know, even in January, looking at, like this past January, looking at Q4 stats, um, like Mondays and Fridays were typically less productive than Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so this year, for the most part, except for on days like last Friday, where I didn't even realize it was a Friday because I was on vacation most of the week, came back and rolled in hot to that day, um, <laughs> gave back the prior day, which is ridiculous. But I'll ver I'll be lower size on Monday, lower size on Friday, and then kind of at the meat of the week is where I would trade um, normal size or or lean in a little bit. I've always been curious, like if you just skipped Monday and Friday, would Tuesday and Thursday then be your trouble days, or like does sitting through those days with half size actually make Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday better? I, I don't. I just came at it from the standpoint that I looked at four months of trading and the the days that were my most of my red days came on mondays or fridays and then mm -hmm. overall the profitability on those days that were green was still was n not on par with tuesday wednesday thursday so i just was like well i'll size down so those red days would be smaller in theory the green days would be smaller too still active in the market. So if there's a fantastic opportunity, I'm still capturing, you know, maybe uh 25% of the PL that I would have if that unfolded on a Tuesday. But I'm also kind of playing defense a little bit, just not risking as much if that Monday turns out to be shambles. It's fair enough. The game. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for getting the reps in also, right? It's like Monday is the anticipation you're you're not fresh, right? It's like, yeah. I mean, and I don't mean that as even if you've got a rested weekend or whatever, <laughs> you have all sorts of ideas imposed on uh, on what Monday needs to be, right? Oh, I'm going to work. I need to go make money sort of concept, right? Yeah. And so, and you're basically, you don't know. So you, you, we have ideas. If Friday closed super green, we might think, oh, we're getting continuation or we're going to fade it, right? So we have these ideas. There's news digestion, et cetera. And then inversely on Friday, we have all sorts of uh, expectations for Friday simply because... It's uh, we either did well that week or we didn't do well that week, right? So if we didn't do well, we're playing the get back game. You know, oh, I can get to at least break even, right? I can justify my time for this week, right? And uh, and then if we did well during the week, we go, oh yeah, no, I'm hot shit now. Let me uh, let me just let me push it a little bit harder, right? So it's like Mondays and Fridays are dangerous for those individual reasons, right? Um, what I I try to basically. Personally, I try to keep mind of those facts and then try to basically find where other traders are in that scenario and then try to basically uh, try to fade them in some extent. Right. It's like that. There was a trader, I think it was on the chat with traders podcast a long time ago. So that 
British guy, if I remember correctly. And his entire thing was all the strategies were based around whose needs weren't getting met. Mm. Uh, right. So, so like he loved shorting fail, like buying failed breakdowns and shorting failed breakouts. Right. Cause breakouts only work what 35% of the time or something like that. So he looked for like midday breakouts. He's like, Oh, I always want to short the, short those because they're probably going to revert. Right. Or midday breakdowns. I always want to buy those because they're probably going to revert. Right. Um, and it was basically just like, okay, it's like, here's a situation. It's like, Oh, everybody's super bearish on this. We're already down 20% or something like that on an individual name. And he would look for those scenarios. So whose needs aren't getting met. They're probably going to get squeezed was his entire thesis. And I try to, use that same sort of concept. It's like, oh, if everybody was positioned long on Friday and then we uh, then we gap down on Monday, it's like, okay, their needs probably aren't getting met. So what are the odds we get a flush out of the open? Yeah, another interesting idea that I wonder with <laughs> with all the information that you can see on the back end, um, <laughs> like uh, I think it was Trader Dante was talking to a guy when they were both working at a firm of some sort. And the guy that he talked to, and this may be the British guy that you're referencing that was on the podcast, he was saying that uh, that guy stopped what they were doing and wrote down some information and lo- like and was like trying to get a trade off because the worst trader he knew had just went long. And so he was yep. going to jump in short because he said it was easier to find a bad trader to fade than a good trader to learn from. Yeah, I, 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 I've heard that. I've heard that podcast and that story actually. So, I mean, we we uh, we looked at the data with that same sort of concept, and it's and there's a couple intricacies that make it very, very, very hard to execute an idea like that, right? Because you could logically go into a prop firm and say that, oh, if ninety, like you look at a lot of these prop firm stats, and say, oh, ninety-five percent of traders never even make it to a payout, so logically just fade everybody, right? It's like. It sounds good in theory, right? It sounds good in theory, right? I mean, the basic math. Oh, yeah, everybody loses, right? But the trouble is, is that from a data perspective, it's like, imagine you're sitting behind me, right? And I'm not saying anything and you see me, then you know I'm a, you, you know I'm a retail trader, so you know I'm going to probably lose money over the next X period of time, right? And you see me click into a trade. And you don't know anything about me, right? You don't know anything about why I clicked into that trade. So you have no idea if that trade is going to be three minutes you know, you have no idea about my intentions for that trade, right? You have no idea my, uh, you know, I have no idea if my targets are 20 points away or two points away, right? You have no idea if I'm planning on holding that trade for two minutes or two hours, right? Um, and what happens from that sense is that if we basically tried to fade everyone, it's what ultimately happens is that we would just lose, we would lose money across everything just due to commissions, right? Because there's so many people and there's people that'll take 800 trades before they fail or pass a challenge, right? And they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, got, got in for half a point, got out, got in, got out, got in, got out, got in, got out. And you don't know which people are going to do that. You have no idea, right? Right. Um, so anticipating that in real time, ahead of time, especially with a large sample of people, is near impossible from what I've found. What about if you ever see you ever see a scenario where you get like 90% of uh, the people who... Uh, with the prop account, like going one direction or the other, like, do we you see ever that see them like all line up a lot? Yeah. I mean, the collective agreement is a thing that we're looking at. We don't have enough data to be a hundred percent sure on it. Um, in some situations, I mean, if you mix collective agreement with certain levels, it seems to be mildly predictive occasionally, but at the same time, there's also, I mean, you see on our Twitter quite often, what we'll do is we'll post out stats like, uh, what's everybody's market bias today. Right. 
Yep, yep. Right. What's everybody's market bias today? And uh, and sometimes, I mean, uh, collectively, it's it's like it's kind of 50 50 as to whether or not they're right. But there's certain days where you'll have like 75 percent of people thinking the market is going to go up and the market literally just goes from bell to bell goes straight up. Right. Hmm. So building a strategy and saying, oh, hey, we're going to we're going to basically try to uh, try, try to fade those sort of situations because of collective agreement. It's like you would need some sort of risk metric baked in to keep you safe, because occasionally it's like. Quite often, the crowd is wrong, but when they're all right, they're very right, right? <laughs> Imagine if, right? It's like the market is going to screw everybody a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. It's much easier to to continually take um, to take a quarter from somebody every single day, but occasionally give them a dollar, right? Well, and you know what? The, the, yeah, exactly. And, and those big wins are what's going to keep everybody coming back. So you kind of almost need that. Like yeah. the I mean, person who's... The person you're trying to keep in the game is not going to keep sticking around for a quarter at a time. Like he's going to get bored with that. Exactly right. It's um. I mean, one of the most fascinating things that I find is that for traders who just are net negative, and I mean, I think in almost every trader's uh, like first year of trying to trade, what your P and L normally looks like, it goes like you go like this, and then bam, bear market rally. I like to call it, and then back down, and then bear market rally, and so on down the line. And it looks no different than literally. I mean, as, as I said, it's right because what it is is like the market will pay you for doing the exact wrong thing occasionally, right? Yep. Right. I mean, that's just it, yep. it's, it, the best odds. The best odds trades when they don't play out, the market will have more volatility the opposite side because the deck is stacked for one outcome, right? So it's like so coming back to that same point, it's like finding people you can always consistently be like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna bet against this guy. It's like you don't know where in his curve you exist. Right, right, right. No, right. we're like, oh yeah, this guy's lost for the past uh, five trades, but okay, yeah. So because we know he's a bad trader, let's bet against him now. It's like, no, you're probably going to get stuck in that bear market rally, right? <laughs> right. You don't know where they exist in their confidence loop, right? In the same time, it's like you bet it with copying a profitable trader. It's like, oh, he's done really good so far. It's like, okay, are are we are we doing that same thing where we're now trading? Uh, trading that fifth win in a row, but he's ultimately his confidence is at peak, and now his risk management is uh, is blown out. Right, right. being predictive <laughs> in that sense is very, very, very hard. Well, it sounds like you're making good use of the data. It's not necessarily something that's like actionable from a trading standpoint, but it's very actionable for the benefits that you can have for sharing some insights with the people you guys are, are funding. Yeah, I mean, what we can say is like, here's the probability we can tell people, right? It's like, in our mind, it's like, making people mindful of the scenario which they exist within is the best thing that we can do, right? Because I mean, it's like, how often is I mean, I know there's been periods in my trading journey where I've journaled and other periods where I have not, right? I know when I'm journaling, I trade better, right? But I know also that the reason that I stopped journaling is because I've been trading really well. And I think I don't need journaling anymore. <laughs> right nobody stops journaling when things are going bad right so it's kind of the yeah, same some people do oh yeah there's always those pile. <laughs> some people do here. come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're all guilty right um yeah. a human variance let's call it but uh but yeah i mean it's, it's it's one of those odd things right it's it's very um all, all we can do is basically try to get we have an idea in 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 light hindsight of basically like Hey, here's where you exist, and we can help you out. Yep, yep, yep. And we also have the benefit of having a large amount of data on a lot of people, so we can't. We can also say like, "Hey, it's like this isn't a you problem; this is a human problem." Mm, yes, that's also helpful. Everybody's experiencing this, right? Um, and I, I think it uh, it makes it a little bit easier in that sense, right? Because if you just come to somebody and say, 
you're fucking up and doing this. It's like, you know, <laughs> like that, that's not my <laughs> hey, You're constrained by your biology, it, like the rest of us are, is a more reasonable thing and easier to accept. I think. Right. I'm curious, Baba and Banks, uh, you guys have been funded with different uh, prop firms out there. Have any of them ever contacted you and, and talked to you about your strategies or what you're doing or given you some insights into your tendencies like this? No. I've been funded with three different yeah. firms through the years, and no one – the, the closest thing to that is uh, a question just in the funding paperwork of what type of strategy do you employ. And one time – I was uh, funding another account with the same firm. And so I thought, I wonder if they even read this. So I just wrote like the most random thing in there to see what they, if anyone would like reach out and be like, I don't understand <laughs> what this is. No one said anything. They don't care. They don't care. What, what did you, what did you uh, put? Do you remember what you wrote? Yeah. Uh, roughly. I remember what I wrote. Um, so typically I would, when the neighbor's dog ty- barks. No, typically I would write like, um, <laughs> I would write, you know, not my strategy, but like, here are the things I'm looking for, you know, uh, on a big picture basis, these are the things I consider. And then entering a trade, these are the things I consider. And then the one, the one time I just wrote down, uh, that when, when every, when the market goes down, I try to buy it. So it goes back up and then I sell it so that it goes back down. And that was just it. Like, there's no strategy. That's just like, it was just like buy low, sell high. That was what I put. And they, they were cool. They didn't, I mean, they didn't say anything. I didn't get as crazy as to write when the neighbor's dog barks, but I mean, I thought that was pretty, I mean, if someone wrote, told you when you called them for a trader's conversation as a fun trader, they were like, buy, I buy up dips and sell rips. You'd be like, uh, I'm going to need a little more than that, but you know, what you got to do with that? Like fake Jersey confidence. I, 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 I buy in full clip lean hogs around breakfast time every day. Jeez. I know bacon is getting sold. <laughs> I'm too busy crushing it. Thanks. Right. Did, yeah, I wonder. Daryl ever reached out to you? Daryl. Um, no. And I wish when I first started trading that someone would have contacted me and said, what the F are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that was kind of my logic. It's like, I don't, one I've found, I mean, what my biggest mistake, and I will say that my biggest mistake in the first couple of years of, uh, first two years of trading was not talking to more people. I mean, what I should have done is just got on the phone, gone to conferences and talked to tons of people, yeah. right? Because what I would have learned very quickly is what not to do. And I would have basically found better mentors and just people that could have, could have put the proverbial wind at my back also. And I mean, I think also figuring out like, hey, is this a, is this a career for me, right? I think a lot of people make that mistake also, right? Because they, they just see, oh, people making money. Oh, I want to do this. It's like, no, this is this takes a lot of work. This takes way yeah. more work than most people. I mean, you can have you can do no work other than just clicking the buttons and looking at the screens and have months, two months, even a year of phenomenal performance. I mean, look at uh, look at 2020, right? 2021. I mean, liquid, massive liquidity injection. People everywhere were crushing it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was in, a guy behind me in line at a concert a couple of months ago was uh, bought his apartment because he was trading ES futures, right? He's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, I never traded before that. He's like, <laughs> okay, right? It's like, so I, I ran into a handful of situations like that. I was like, oh, do you still trade? He's like, yeah, I tried again. I couldn't make any money. I was like, oh, well, yeah, there you go, right? Wait for the next, <laughs> yeah, for the next bull market. Exactly. But I, mean, I think networking is, is so, so, so important, right? Just to, because it's like... <laughs> 
see Mr. Steal Your Stops in there. Yeah. So he thought the first uh, moving average crossover YouTube video I ever stumbled across was going to send him to the millionaire status overnight. <laughs> Dude, but you don't know otherwise. You don't know otherwise, right? It's like the the incredible when a, when a person says something with incredible confidence, it's really hard to not basically be like, oh, well, I see they have fancy shoes. I want fancy shoes too, you know? <laughs> right. It's, it's pretty easy to buy into, right? And it's also like it feels when you know nothing about something, the idea of like, oh, a moving average crossover. So we're taking the average of like 10 different days. And if that average across the other average, it's like it makes logical sense, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and if you look at the market, basically you, you find, you see 10 scenarios where it happened. And you're like, oh, well, I can easily predict that. It's like, and then, and then we get consolidation and you lose it. Yeah. Then you forget to keep looking right. for when it doesn't work. Yeah, of, of course. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's, yeah. it, it's easy to set yourself up is the moral of that story. But coming back to it, it's like, yeah, no, networking is, I, I think, incredibly important. That's part of the reason that it's like, I want to hop on the phone with anybody that hits that hits that stage because I want to know it's like are you six months into trading or are you six years into trading it's like mm-hmm. did you get here because you were just winging it right because like if you if you basically pass because you were winging it it's like I have suggestions right it's like right. I, real, I, have, I have a couple of things that I want to like talk you through I have a couple sure. different things that I want to tell you to do it's like I want to tell you if like hey the way that you pass this challenge is the exact way that you're also going to blow up heads up right are, are, are people are people willing to, to say that? Like, hey, like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing or I kind of got lucky here when I passed this thing. Like, or are people afraid to, to look like they don't know what they're doing? Um, I mean, I'm incredibly honest uh, in the sense of like when I first started trading, I made a I made what in the first couple of months, I made like sixty sixty four thousand dollars. And then I took like a 10K account up to sixty four and then back to seven grand in like two weeks or something like that. Right. So it's like, oh, I figured it out. Oh, my God, I know nothing. Right. So it's like (laughs) like, I I found that as long as I'm pretty honest about all my struggles early on, that people tend to be pretty honest also. Um, Good. And thankfully, most of the people that we've had pass, I mean, 90 some percent of them actually have some sort of definable strategy. Um, They have something. It's all sorts of obscure things. Sometimes it might not be things that I necessarily agree with, but they make it work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we've had, I mean, we've had a couple of people come through and say, oh yeah, I had some guy on Fiverr write an, uh, write an indicator for me for, for trading view. And, uh, and this is what it does. And this is how I trade it. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, never, never would have thought about it, but I like to see it. And one of the things that I find so fascinating is that out of every single person that we've had passed, they all trade differently. Every single one. Of them. Really? Yep. It's like, I haven't found a single person that has the same strategy yet. I'm sure we will over time, but everybody has something that's nuanced to them. That's fascinating. Uh, Max, can you kind of just tell everybody where they can find you guys, uh, if they want to support you, if they want to check you out, if they want to, uh, join one of these competitions. Yep. Uh, traderslaunch.com or at traderslaunch on Twitter is the easiest way to find us. And then also we'll make sure we link the, the discord channel too, because I do think people should check that out as well. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit before I wrap this up. I want to put you on the spot here and make sure that we're still doing this. Are we giving you a channel in the, the Vanta China shop discord? Where people I mean, can uh, jump in there and ask questions. I'll hang out. I'm going to lie. I'm going to give horrible answers, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bet you guys, oh, yeah, buy the highs. Buy the highs. Short the lows. Short weakness. <laughs> On the first you Wednesday of the month, always short weakness. We we have a group that I think would be very interested if you guys were to ever um, make the move to offering futures. So, uh, And I know that you guys do work with traders once they do pass where you guys can can work, set them up with different assets or the assets that they prefer. 
So, you know, yep. just want to keep that in your mind. Uh, if you do it, uh, please let us know first. So some good news on that side of things. There's a, there's like a 90, I'm going to, I'm going to set it at a 90% chance. I'm a trader. I can't say a hundred percent, you know, um, and uh, there's like a 90% chance that we'll have futures available um, for, for all the challenges um, coming right at the end of January. Oh, really? Yeah. We that were, soon. Yeah. We've been busy. Come on. Oh, we're over goodness. here. Yeah. All right. That's good news. That's fucking awesome. That is good news. Uh, then the other thing that I wanted to throw out there too, uh, we talked about getting some sponsorships for our Empire challenge. Max was kind enough to offer uh, us a handful of uh, 5k accounts. So uh, if you want to check out our discord, uh, we'll make sure we have the link for that in the, uh, the episode description every Fridays on M period, which would be the last half hour of the trading session. You can come trade with us. Uh, compete we get some great prizes that we can give away we'll start bringing those up again now that max has uh been gracious enough to, to give us something there uh oh man i just went right off my uh, outro script here so. <laughs> <laughs> one, mention, one mention i'll make on those accounts also is that if uh if, if you're doing well on them it's it's not our goal to keep you at it if, like if you have a 5k account it's not our goal to keep you there it doesn't benefit us in any way right yeah 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 we, we want to scale you if you've all of a sudden we've shown that you have like a low volatility curve it's like you manage to you manage your risk well you you pick your spots you're not trading a thousand trades a day and uh and you're, and you're doing well then we want to allocate more resources to you like we don't want to keep you at the same size and the type of person that comes on here and tells us about all the stuff they do to work with their traders the i think i think we can all agree that this is uh, that they're actually putting their money where it matters where they're actually backing us uh we want to support that. So, so please check out traderslaunch.com. Give them a follow on Twitter. Get notified of those free stock trading competitions. Take part in there. Check out the new combined Discord. We can find our discount links with Traders Launch. Trade with us on the Friday end periods. You can even ask Max any trading or prop firm related questions you might have. We will be back soon with another exciting episode, hopefully as good as this one. But until then, if you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. If you hated it, and tell your enemies. It'll be funny, I promise. <laughs> have a great day, guys. <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It does not constitute financial or investment advice and should not be construed as such. The hosts, guests, and contributors of this podcast are not licensed financial advisors, brokers, or professionals. Any trading or investment decisions made based on the content of this podcast are solely at the listener's discretion and risk. Trading and investing in financial markets carry inherent risks and past performance is not indicative of future results. Listeners should conduct their own research and seek advice from qualified financial professionals before making any financial decisions. The views, opinions, and information shared in this podcast are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of the podcast creators or associated organizations. Produced by China Shop Productions.